Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome. Welcome to today's podcast of The Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, and I am here, as always, with my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. And I hope everyone is having a good weekend so far as we kind of wind down the month of January. It is nice and cold up here, but we will survive, I suppose. And remember, you can get hold of me a couple different ways. First, my email is miller at millerfrostonline.com. Parlor, I thought, was supposed to be back up by the end of the month, but I, I take it it is, I guess they're delayed a little bit. I am not on Twitter, and I am not on Gab either. I was, but I just kind of, it's like, I am done with those two. And I also have a site. It's on Locals, so it's millerfrostshow.locals.com. And I did post a new column up there yesterday, as a matter of fact, and it's called In Defense of Miley Cyrus. And I never thought I would have to write that, but that kind of goes off of the um, the monologue I had last Wednesday about how Miley Cyrus is considered trafficking in transphobia because she is bisexual and she prefers women and she likes her women as women, not a man who identifies as a woman. So for her, a a woman with a penis just doesn't do anything for her. And I guess I would say as a gay man and as America's most beloved self-loving homosexual, if a man is standing in front of me and he has a vagina, that doesn't do anything for me either. And I'm sure that makes me just as transphobic as it makes her. Because that's just how they roll these days, I guess. And, and before we get into today's show... I always like to start off with any corrections that need to be made from prior podcasts, and we do have one from last Wednesday's show, and we were talking, I don't even remember what the story was about, but it was about OnlyFans, and I was referencing Daniel Newman, and I kept calling him Daniel Newsom. <laughs> and I think, in my defense, I got gay and gay face, I got them backwards, so I was thinking of you know Daniel Newman, He's gay, but Gavin Newsom is, you know, he's just got a wicked case of gay face, although I believe he is, he identifies as heterosexual. And folks, if you don't know what a gay face is, just go to the mirror and pucker your lips. That's gay face. So I don't know how I mixed the two of them up, but I, I did. And so I kept calling poor Daniel Newman, Daniel Newsom. I just wanted to correct that because I'm sure a couple of you were going to OnlyFans. I know you perverts out there. And you were trying to find some hot ginger named Daniel Newsom, and you couldn't find him. So I, I wanted to clarify that. It's Daniel Newman. And if you don't know who Daniel Newman is, he is, like I said, a hot ginger, and he was on The Walking Dead. And they killed him off because he was a secondary character. But he has an OnlyFans site, and if you want to go look at his... I don't, I've don't. i never been to a site, so I don't know if they're nudie pics or just suggestive pics, but if you want to go there and look at him, you can do that. Daniel Newman, not Daniel Newsom. And just to clarify, just to kind of clear the record, 
When I say ginger, I do not mean that as a pejorative. And if you are a millennial living in your parents' basement, because I know a lot of you are, you're probably sitting there going, but I, I wonder what that word pejorative means. I wonder if there's racist tones to that, or I wonder if it's something homophobic. No, it is not. It's just kind of pejorative is like a negative. So I don't mean when I refer to him as a hot ginger or a ginger, or I refer to even that stupid dope Prince Harry as a ginger. I don't mean it as being insulting. So I don't want anyone to get butt hurt about me using the word ginger. There's nothing wrong with that. Let me tell you, I mean, I will assure you folks, there's nothing wrong with being a ginger, even though my track record with going out with them has not been the best. And it's not my thing as much as, I don't know, someone else I know on the other side of the room. That's their thing. But I mean, hey. So now that I got that out of the way, Daniel Newman and not Daniel Newsom, and I've clarified that I do not mean to be a caddy queen when I talk about gingers, let's go ahead and jump in. And I'll tell you what, White Boy Malcolm X, I cannot believe, well, I can't believe how prescient I am on some things. Because literally a week ago, folks, I was talking about, we're, you know, this is a, the story I've got here is from Tow Road. And it is, a, I think, our second or third follow-up on that golfer, Justin Thomas, who muttered the word faggot on the golf course. And so everyone got butthurt about it. And I said literally a week ago on this podcast what Justin needs to do is to pull out that checkbook and just write a check and be done with it because that's all anyone wants. And sure enough, folks, this article from Tal Road, how is this headline? City, and that's Citibank, says it's standing by golfer Justin Thomas after anti-gay slur, requiring him to donate meaningful portion of sponsorship fee to LGBTQ orgs. So Citibank is making him write the check, which I told him to do a week ago because that's all... All they really want. And I tell you what, I, I just knew it because I know those folks. That's literally, that's that's how BLM is getting as rich as they are. Because, you know, you just write the check. Please don't call me a racist. Please, here's the check. You know, and so poor Justin Thomas is like, please don't call me a homophobe. I'm not. And here's a check to GLAD and, uh, you know, Human Rights Campaign and God knows what other organizations. But Justin, that is going to cost you, son. City says it will continue to sponsor world number three golfer Justin Thomas after he responded to missing a putt at the Century Tournament of Champions in Hawaii by yelling the word faggot, but will require him to use his platform to play an active role in accelerating support for the LGBTQ community. And I guess support is cash and donate a meaningful portion of his city 2021 sponsorship fee to mutually agreed upon LGBTQ organizations. Ralph Lauren last week dropped its seven-year sponsorship of Thomas over the slur. Thomas said he'll undergo a training program to become a better person. Wrote City's Chief Marketing Officer Carla Hassan in a blog post. So there's no doubt we strongly condemn the use of this homophobic slur by Justin and anyone else. Oops. Like be in trouble, white boy Malcolm X. And our actions now should in no way be interpreted as excusing it or even forgiving it. This is not about Justin as an individual, but the view that his influence and this moment of public attention create an opportunity to educate many who are not sufficiently attuned to the discrimination the LGBTQ community continues to face and how words, actions, and inactions perpetuate that discrimination. If at any point we feel that Justin is not sincere in working towards this goal, we will end our relationship with him. And Justin... Just to let you know, 
If they think you're not sincere, it's because your checks aren't big enough. And they're the ones cashing them, so you better you better behave, sir. I I tell you what, White Boy Malcolm X, I cannot believe all the hysteria that is going on over this guy muttering a stupid word like faggot. And he didn't even call, folks. He didn't even call anyone a faggot. He's out there on the golf course by himself. It is him. It is the the club. It is the ball. And it is the hole. And he missed the hole with the ball using the club. And he muttered faggot. So he's calling either an inanimate object a faggot or he's calling himself a faggot. But man, that that word is going to cost him God knows how much. I bet six figures at least. Hmm. So Justin, start writing those checks. Speaking of being prescient, White Boy Malcolm X, I just had, folks, I had a story a couple weeks ago about another fake BIPOC person, that dopey chick who was white, but she was fake Latinx. And that's how you knew she was fake Latinx, because no Latino uses Latinx. It's only snooty white people that use that. She's running around about being a fake Latinx. And I said, hmm, seems to be a lot of women doing this. I don't know, if, except for White Boy Malcolm X, I don't know a lot of men who could probably... Pull that off. I'm sure as hell not going to be running around going, I'm the Tinks, because that's just not going to work with my pasty white ass. But but apparently, you know, I was cracking jokes about it being mostly women. And here we go again with another woman. And this is from Variety. Michelle Latimer's identity crisis is raising impossible questions for Canada's indigenous filmmakers. The Canadian film and television industry has been rocked following allegations that prominent filmmaker an inconvenient Indian director, Michelle Latimer. So a fake Indian made a movie, White Boy Malcolm X, called The Inconvenient Indian. Hmm. Is not indigenous, as she has claimed to be for the past 20 years. So she has been faking this crap a long time. The hurt and anger from the indigenous filmmaking community that followed on social media has been palpable. <gasps> Heavens no drawing further attention to the need for systemic change as awards bodies and the funding arms Latimer has benefited from begin conversations about where to go next. In an investigative piece published on December 17th, CBS News revealed Kittigan Zibi members refute Latimer's claims to be of Algonquin, Matisse, and French heritage from Manawaki, Quebec. The news outlet also examined census records showing that Latimer's grandfather, was not indigenous or Matisse, as she previously claimed, but French-Canadian, which is, God knows what, what could be worse than that, and a genealogist and researcher with an expertise in French-Canadian families independently examined Latimer's heritage to reveal she has only two indigenous ancestors who lived in the 17th century. All other family members were easily identifiable as French-Canadians, Irish, Scottish. In other words... Michelle Latimer is white. No. In response, the filmmaker, who has never provided full details of her claimed indigenous identity, in previous interviews issued a statement saying she has always relied on family lore, but has now hired a professional genealogist to look into her true background in the wake of these allegations. Hmm. On family lore, white boy Malcolm X, who does that remind you of? Pocahontas, very good. (laughs) Our senator, she only relied on family lore to declare that she was indigenous as well, but she's another fake Indian. I know that when questions like these are raised, this is from the fake Indian, the white chick, Michelle Latimer. 
I know that when questions like these are raised, it hurts our entire community and undermines the years of hard work that so many have contributed towards raising Indigenous voices, she wrote in a Facebook post. I take responsibility for the strain this conversation is having on the people who have supported me, and I apologize as well for any negative impact on my peers in the Indigenous filmmaking community. And folks, this article goes on and on. You, well, maybe you can. You cannot believe the number of people who are really butthurt about her lying about being a fake Indian. But, I I mean, who can blame her? I mean, seriously, folks, who can blame Michelle Latimer for not wanting to acknowledge her whiteness because everyone knows that white people just suck. And by the way, I got a ton of race stories, so if you don't think that now, you're probably like, Miller, I I simply refuse to believe that white people suck. Folks, by the end of this podcast, I promise you, you're going to be like, damn, white people suck because (laughs) half my articles are about how white people suck. So I'm just warning you folks. Michelle was probably sitting around going, I don't want anyone to know that I'm white because everyone knows white people are evil. And plus, you could probably make more money doing the uh, the fake Indian routine. <laughs> and everyone knows now about, about white women because we had that Vox article about a week and a half, two weeks ago from that hysterical millennial white chick who was blaming white women for enabling white supremacy because they were standing by their man and they had a seat at the table when like slavery and Jim Crow and all that stuff was drafted up. White women were all part of that. So this Canadian chick, this French Canadian... <laughs> She's like, I don't want to be blamed for that. So she was doing the fake Indian routine. I tell you what, White by Malcolm X, another one getting in on your action. I'm looking forward to, though. I tell you what, they need systemic change as awards body and the funding. Can you imagine what sort of systemic change they're going to have in the Canadian filmmaking industry? They're going to have to do, like, DNA tests. So you say you're a minority, but here's, can you, like, pee in this cup? There you go. That's a variety, and they are all verklempt in Canada. Guess they got nothing better to to do. And speaking of OnlyFans, since we had a correction at the top of the show that it was not Daniel Newsom, it was Daniel Newman, the hot ginger. And again, ginger is not a pejorative. The hot ginger from Walking Dead. This is from News, and that's K-N-E-W-Z. They're being very clever with that. And here's this headline. Controversial porn star is making $1.2 million a month on OnlyFans with explicit photos and selling her bathwater. <laughs> Look at this skank chick, white boy Malcolm X. Would you want that bathwater? <laughs> Hell no, indeed. Ugh. Man, if you are going after this, the skank chick's bathwater, you are a sick, sick, sick individual. According to Insider, OnlyFans model Belle Daphine, 21, shared a screenshot of her November OnlyFans earnings that showed she makes $1.2 million a month from the platform. Delphine noted that she will continue down the road for as long as it's profitable, noting that her success on OnlyFans is not the norm by any standard. People can see me in my numbers and think, oh, she's doing really well, so that means I can do really well, Delphine said in an interview with Insider. For every one successful girl you see, there are thousands of other girls working really hard and not earning anything. God knows what they look like. In June 2020, Belle Delphine announced in a viral YouTube video that she planned to make a big bag slang for a lot of money on OnlyFans. The outlet notes that Belle Delphine is as much of a provocateur as she is an adult model. She's best known for selling gamer girl bathwater for 30 
dollars a jar. Jesus Christmas, a stunt that got her permanently banned from Instagram back in 2019. Hmm. Instagram actually banned someone other than Trump. According to the Daily Star, Delphine first rose to fame on Instagram and on YouTube, and the following she built on those platforms are the likely reason why she is earning millions on OnlyFans today. The gamer turned her mind to pulling in cash and started selling everything from her own bathwater, which if you thought that was creepy, listen to this, folks, to used condoms. So, <laughs> I told you she was a skank chick. She's like doing all these guys and and they get done and she's like, uh, I'll take that. And she's selling some guy's semen and a condom that's been inside of her. It's just some God knows what kind of nut job is buying a used condom from Belle Delphine. <laughs> Probably bathing in her bathwater while he's, God knows what he's doing with that. She ran into trouble recently after a set of saucy photos she shared on Twitter of her bound up and gagged led to accusations of promoting rape. For her part, Delphine refused to apologize and defended the photo choice. There is nothing wrong with enjoying power play and BDSM where people are consensual, she said. I think saying because I enjoyed consensual non-consent is promoting rape is the same as the argument that violence in video games promotes violence. I made it very clear in the caption of my photo and anything written about it that I was enjoying it and it was consensual. I never said the word rape or anything against my will. This is what other people have put onto it. I enjoy the idea of being tied up and used. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, then. I got nothing nothing on that. I'm assuming that uh, after whoever she has over, after you untie me, can you take that condom and uh, put it in that jar over there? Hmm. She is a lovely, classy chick. This is from AM New York. Cops seek bigot who used anti-gay language in Union Square attack. So I hope it's not another golfer. Cops are looking for a man who punched a man in Union Square in Manhattan last week and spewed hate speech in an unprovoked attack. According to police, at 2 p.m. on January 21st, a 45-year-old man was inside the park at East 17th Street and Union Square West when an unknown man approached him and punched him in the face. After the assault, the suspect told the victim, I'm going to kill you, you effing homo. The assailant remained in the park after the attack. The victim suffered pain and bruising to his mouth. Cops, and this is the weird part of the article, folks. Cops described the perpetrator as a black man, and it's capital B black, so he really is black, folks, not just fake black, like white boy Malcolm X, between the ages of 25 and 30 years old. And if you're like, what's so weird about that? Well, folks, I think this is probably the first time that a New York media organization has listed the race of the perp when the perp was not white. Anyway, finishing up, he was last seen wearing a purple hooded sweater, blue jeans, and and black sneakers. And white boy Malcolm X, I there's something funny with this story. It just seems weird. So you are a 45-year-old man, and you're just kind of wandering around the park in the middle of the day, and some young black kid just walks up to you and just pops you right in the face. It's like, I'm going to kill you, you effing homo. And then I don't know what happened. I guess the guy ran off, and but the guy, the perp, is like lounging around the park. He's like, mm-hmm, you know, just kind of hanging out at the park after. Still couldn't catch him, but I just find that, you know, that's just a little too random for me. That just seems, it may just be me, folks. I just find that rather odd that a random attack 
just like that happened and they didn't know each other to some extent or were going to know each other when they met online <laughs> i don't know though it is new york it is new york folks but uh i not that the, if they find this capital b black guy not that they will charge him because he can just say it was a blm protest this is from the post millennial and i'll tell you what folks i am i am so glad that i do not have crumb crunchers at home because the nuttiness in the school systems these days is getting worse and worse just when you think it can't get any worse so here's the headline on this Seattle public schools indoctrinate children against police, deny violent riots. Seattle public schools sent out an email to faculty on Thursday with education resources for teachers to indoctrinate students into the Abolish the Police movement and gloss over the riots that lasted for months across the country and caused billions of dollars in damage. The email acknowledged last week's riots in Seattle and then tries to justify the violence in the name of social justice. Romualdo Wally Gutierrez. So Romualdo's nickname is Wally, and he is a digital learning specialist. Curriculum assessment and instruction is his title. Hmm, that is a fancy title, Wally. <laughs> you see him, white boy Malcolm X. Yes, I am. And yes, you know, folks, if he's got a name Wally, he is a queen. I am a digital learning specialist. Curriculum assessment and instruction with the city of Seattle school system. <laughs> Go, girlfriend. <laughs> anyway. He sent out an email entitled Tech Tips, which read three resources for continuing conversations about last week's riots and social justice. The email then links to the radical platform Woke Kindergarten. Hmm, you see a bunch of woke five-year-olds, folks, whose mission statement reads, Woke Kindergarten is a global abolitionist early learning community, creative expanse and consultancy supporting children, families, educators, and organizations in their commitment to abolitionist early education and pro-black liberation. And again, folks, it is capital B Black, so you know they are pro-black liberation. On their Facebook page, Woke Kindergarten said, Woke Kindergarten is a global abolitionist early learning community, all power to the little people. This page is anti-racist, pro-black, and liberatory. Hashtag abolish the police. Hashtag all black lives matter. Well, I hate to disagree with you folks at woke kindergarten while you're trying to indoctrinate, you know, five and six-year-olds, but I'm not sure all black lives really do matter. I mean, just, I would ask anyone in the city of Chicago if that was the case, because you know what they're going to say? Hell no. The post by woke kindergarten linked in the email from Seattle Public Schools teased their latest video for kids, which attempted to create the narrative that every BLM protest this summer was peaceful and the only violence was from Trump supporters at the Capitol on January 6th. The content also blamed the BLM violence all summer long on white supremacists. No, no, those crafty white supremacists are at it again. They are everywhere and they are, I guess, although white boy Malcolm X, now that I think about it, it could be because if you look at what is BLM, in a lot of cases, it is a bunch of hysterical white millennial women. And we all know that white women are a bunch of racists who have enabled white supremacy. So I guess they could technically be correct on that if they're talking about violence being perpetrated by white supremacists because it was perpetrated by hysterical millennial white women. The intro post read, Y'all know me when there aren't any resources to serve as entry points to the conversation about the everyday realities of racism and white supremacy in America. I get to work creating them. So Wally is a busy queen. You're sitting around talking about the weather. Wally's going to saunter up to your conversation. Yes, did you notice, though, that 
those clouds are white, and I just think that looks oppressive to me. There's white supremacy even in the sky. Can you believe that? I mean, the hell's this weirdo talking about? But it's like, I'm just going to talk about realities of racism everywhere, every conversation. I'm just going to be the racism interrupters. You're going to be like running around, interrupting normal conversations and just throwing in race on everything. You go, Wally. Woke Kindergarten said that the point of the lesson is meant to spark conversation. And do we not have, folks, do we not have enough conversation on race? Wally, can you just, like, take a day off or something? Jesus Christmas. Race is everywhere. You can't talk about, literally, you cannot talk about the weather without someone injecting race into it. And serve as a catalyst to think even more critically about the content. What are the implications of white supremacy? What does it mean to be black in this America? And that's capital B, black folks, so you know They're asking about the real black folks. Who is protected under the law? Are police really here to serve and protect? And if so, who do they serve? White people, of course. And who do they protect? White people, of course. (laughs) I'm just answering for Wally there. Hmm. There you go. This goes on and on. I wonder, though, White Boy Malcolm X, if they are hawking Ibram X. Kendi's race book uh, to these kindergartners. Woke kindergarten. I wonder if they're selling that because every... Folks, every race story we've had about school systems always involves a list of anti-racist books, which are a bunch of racist books calling white people racist, and they're always hawking Ibram X. Kendi. So I feel like uh, he's probably doing that as well. So woke, woke kindergartens. Mommy, I learned in class today about social justice, and I learned that you are a racist and that you prop up racist lifestyles and that you and daddy are nothing but a bunch of bigots and homophobes and you are transphobic okay then there you go that's what you kids that's what you folks with kids that's what you get to look forward to woke kindergarten in seattle and if you think it's going to stop there you are wrong bumble White Boy Macamax, do you know what Bumble is? I actually had to look that up because I'm like, what the hell is, what sort of social media platform is that? It is a dating site. Very good, sir. It's like um, Tinder or Grindr or, I, I was going to say Pinterest, but I don't know what these things are. Bumble. <laughs> Scruff, I don't know. A bunch of dating sites are on there. I think there are 50,000 of them, but Bumble is one of those, and they are also cracking down on what people can say and not say. And here's this headline from the New York Post. Bumble will ban users for being fatphobic or transphobic. Hmm. So if you do not like fat people, you are going to get thrown off of Bumble. Dating app Bumble is putting the kibosh on body shaming. The company announced Wednesday that the app would begin throwing out members caught using language that can be deemed fatphobic, ableist, racist, colorist, homophobic, or Transphobic. So not just fatphobic or transphobic folks. You cannot make fun of or judge people who are in wheelchairs. You cannot be not just a racist, but do you know what a colorist is, white boy Malcolm X? That's something else I had to look up. These uh, these kids these days, these social woke justice folks, they, they keep inventing new terms. I got to keep looking them up. A colorist, just to let you know, is if you are, if you only like light-skinned black people, capital B black people, if you say, I only like light-skinned black people, I do not like dark-skinned black people. That is a colorist. It is not just a queen doing your hair. <laughs> so you can not only be racist, but you can say, well, hey, I'm really into black people, but, oh, I just, I like them light-skinned. Boom, you're out of there too. <laughs> so 
The new restrictions will apply to users' direct messages as well as those with profiles that openly discriminate against different body types. Body shaming is not acceptable on or off the Bumble app, a statement from Bumble reads. For those who may not know, body shaming means forcing your opinion of a good body onto others. An algorithm has been set up to flag words and phrases associated with body shaming, then assessed by a live moderator according to The Guardian. And White Boy Malcolm X, I was trying to think of what kind of phrases that would be that the algorithm would be set up to to look for. I'm thinking like, um, well, yes, of course, fat chicks would be <laughs> chubsters, chunky, hefty, gay fat, <laughs> gay obese. <laughs> I don't know how, though, they're going to have to figure out because let's face it, folks, and we've discussed this here on the Middle Frost Show, that there are differing standards of, of fat. So there is normal fat, and then there is gay fat. And you're like, Miller, what the, what the hell is gay fat? So if you think of like an emaciated waif, like, uh, like an Olympic swimmer, right? They're like 5% body fat. They're like, they look, they're real skinny, right? Or runners. That is thin in the gay community. <laughs> that is like, that's the norm in the gay community. So if you're like, 10% body fat, you're like, you know, then you're kind of, you know, you're a little chunky, even though you're, you're still rail thin, but you are in the gay community, you are just chunky. And then you get to folks like me with like a dad bod. Or if you look at like um, Vince Vaughn, uh, I'm just thinking of it. Vince Vaughn's kind of got that dad bod look, right? That is gay obese, folks. You might say, well, he's a little, little round, right? He's not fat by any means. I don't think Vince Vaughn is fat, but he's gay obese. So I don't know how Bumble is going to, is going to deal with that. Anyway, picking back up, warnings will then be sent to users at their first offense, along with sensitivity training materials before being banned entirely. So you're going to get some, you're going to a little pamphlet that says, please do not say hefty fat chick. <laughs> no hefty fat chicks need apply. The Austin, Texas-based company wants to foster a kinder, more respectful, and more equal space on the internet, said Naomi Walkland, who runs Bumble's overseas marketing division. Key to this has always been our zero-tolerance policy for racist and hate-driven speech, abusive behavior, and harassment. A 2016 survey by WooPlus, a dating app for plus-sized women. <laughs> WooPlus, and I don't know what the woo is, I figured out what the plus is, found that 71% of 1,000 users who called themselves curvy had also been fat-shamed by men on other dating apps. More broadly, a 2020 Pew study found that 33% of women on dating apps had been called an offensive name by another user. Fans of women-centered app Bumble, which urges lady users to make the first move, so this is a, this is a chick app, White Boy Malcolm X, says the move is another reason why they love the company. I'm very interested in seeing how this works and extremely happy to see it launch tweeted music journalist Courtney E. Smith. Some are calling for other dating apps to take note. Maybe at Grindr could follow suit. That app is a cesspit of toxicity around the body and race, said one fan of the change. <laughs> no kidding. I mean, that, folks, that is the gay community. It is, I mean, you think of popular gay culture, right? It is, it is centered around, around youth. It is centered around looks and it is as vapid and, and shallow as it gets. And they have been the kind of, and if you look in general though, not just the gay community, but if you look in general, we have been kind of sexualizing uh, society for quite some time. We've been sexualizing the young and the attractive and that that's what sells, right? No one is going to want to buy 
a product if it's going to be hawked by some, you know, fat old ugly person <laughs> like me, right? I'm a, I'm a 51-year-old gay man and I am gay obese. <laughs> so, you know, it, that's just the way marketing works. That's just the way, hey, sex sells, right? Sex has sold for eons and eons and eons. And that is not going to change. And all these like apps and algorithms and, and the social justice, well, we're just going to make people change. It ain't going to work. God. And I'm wondering, White Boy Malcolm X, if if Bumble is going to enforce the, I, I would call it the Miley Cyrus standard of transphobia. And if you remember from Wednesday's podcast, folks, Miley Cyrus is bisexual, but she says she prefers women and she prefers her women to be women. So she doesn't want a woman standing there with a penis. She wants a real woman. She wants a woman with a vagina. And I'm the same way if I am, as a gay man, if I am standing there with another man, I don't want him to have a vagina. I want all the hardware to be what it needs to be <laughs> for me to be a gay man and enjoy the, you know, whatever the company of another man. But, you know, I wonder, though, if if they are going to start enforcing, if you put in there, please be a real woman <laughs> or please be a real man, label you like they did poor Miley Cyrus, label you a transphobe and throw you off the off the app. This is from USA Today, and who couldn't see this coming? Insulting and frustrating. Community leaders decry lack of Asian Americans in Biden's top cabinet picks. <laughs> but they got Pete Buttigieg, <laughs> stupid queen, is running the Department of Transportation. Things were looking up for the rapidly growing Asian American electorate after the 2020 election. Voter turnout in the community had been bigger than ever before, and Joe Biden, creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer, the candidate most had supported, had won the presidency. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris, Biden's vice president, was of South Asian heritage. So when Biden, whose cabinet is shaping up to be the most diverse in U.S. history, failed to name a single cabinet member of AAPI descent, the backlash was bitter and compounded by a long-standing sense of feeling left out of federal decision-making. Every presidential cabinet since 2000 has included an Asian American until now. And that's right, folks. So even that dumb racist George W. Bush and that evil racist Donald J. Trump, even they, they found a way to put an Asian uh, in the cabinet. But that creepy Uncle Joe, the hair sniffer, he's like, nah, not so much. It's insulting and frustrating, said Madeline Milkey, president and CEO of the Asian Pacific American Institute of Congressional Studies. Part of the reason Asian Americans vote is that they're looking for people who can represent them. And it stings because it looks like we're regressing. The omission is particularly galling, Milkey and others said, after an election in which the Asian community played a pivotal role and at a time when Asian Americans are keenly affected by issues such as immigration and the disproportionate effects of the ongoing pandemic, including racism. And I'm sure there is some black person out there, a capital B black, so you know they're real black, who's like, what the hell? We're the ones, <laughs> we're the ones who have had the disproportionate effects of an ongoing pandemic, and we're the ones who have to deal with the racism. And you know some queen is out there right now going, what are you talking about? We are the ones, we are the ones disproportionately affected by the ongoing pandemic. And on and on and on. Every single interest group, they're the ones kvetching that they are the ones that are disproportionately affected, but everyone is disproportionately affected in a disproportionate way. 
There's no question that President Biden has put together an incredibly diverse cabinet, and he deserves credit for that, said Greg Orton, National Director for the National Council of Asian Pacific Americans. That those appointed to cabinet-level positions, Orton said, have an enormous amount of influence and power. It's important to make sure that those deciding the trajectory of the future have a real understanding of our communities, not that that's impossible if they're not in our community. Well, apparently you're arguing it is. But we have seen time and time again that we are left out. Both the National Council of Asian Pacific Americans and the Asian Pacific American Institute of Congressional Studies, which I'm sure that is a lovely cocktail party to attend, (laughs) with those disgruntled folks standing around, issued statements noting their displeasure early this month once the omission became a certainty. In her statement, Milky wrote that the brazen exclusion of AAPIs abandons and erases, erases white boy Malcolm X, the AAPI community. <laughs> Another pack of drama queens. Whew, you folks are still exhausting. Can you imagine, White Boy Malcolm X? Can you imagine being Pete Buttigieg, you know, that queen? She's running the Department of Labor now, and she is probably thinks she is as progressive as they come. He's probably like, I am just so progressive. I just love everyone because I'm a gay man, and I have a husband, and I just love Asians, and I love capital B blacks because they're special blacks, because they're real blacks because of capital B, and I love transgenders, and I love Indians, and I love indigenous people, and I love everyone. And they're like, black queen can't represent us. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm just trying to. Oh. So the uh, Asian folks are upset because they don't have an Asian in their midst. I don't know. Is anyone in the cabinet handicapped? Are we going to hear from them next? White boy, Malcolm. <laughs> but there's no one in a wheelchair. You need to like take someone out of the knees and put them in a wheelchair and then we'll be happy. This is from Fox News. And how's this headline? Oklahoma eight-year-old expelled after telling another girl she had a crush on her. Well, at least she was not hunting Bigfoot. An eight-year-old Oklahoma girl was expelled from her Christian school after telling a classmate she had a crush on her, her mother told local media. My daughter was crying, saying, Does God still love me? Delaney Shelton of Owasso, Oklahoma, told Tulsa-based KOKI. Shelton's daughter, Chloe, was a student at Rejoice Christian Schools, according to the outlet, at least until recently. School policy prohibits boyfriend and girlfriend relationships in general, and administrators told the station they were following the student handbook. And I can only imagine what that said about girlfriend and girlfriend relationships. Sheldon told KOKI that her daughter, Chloe's vice principal, sat her down and said, the Bible says you can only marry a man (laughs) and have children with a man. Well, that's just rude. I mean, what about all the other genders? (laughs) Sheldon says she later told the vice principal that she thought it would be okay for girls to like girls, at, yes, folks, at the Rejoice Christian School, <laughs> little lesbians are perfectly fine. And that the administrator then looked shocked and appalled. So, oh, my goodness. Sheldon says she is raising her children not to judge others and to love whoever they want. <laughs> so let's enroll a lesbian in a Christian school and then get pissed off when the Christians are like, yeah, that's not really our scene. Sorry. I don't know about you folks, but uh, she sounds a little annoying to me. I don't know. I just have this visceral reaction when people start in about, I just I just don't like people who judge other people. It's like, you're judging right there, lady. Just listen to yourself. Those folks that always started about uh, non-judgmentalism are generally the most judgmental people around. The people who 
you know, on that vein or in that vein, rather, the people that run around talking about intolerance are generally the most intolerant people. <laughs> Look at these uh, these race warriors running around hate whitey movements. I mean, they talk about the oh, the intolerance of white people. They're just so racist. <laughs> like, listen to yourself. You are the biggest racist out there. There you go. In Oklahoma, hunting Bigfoot and uh, having fun at the Christian elementary school. This is the smoking gun story I've been promising you. And like I said, it's okay. It's not going to wrap the show up, but uh, we'll still have a little bit of fun with it. Cops, woman 65, behind anti-Biden graffiti spray in Connecticut town. So grandma has got her spray paint can and she is running around Connecticut and that gets her in a little bit of trouble. A 65-year-old Connecticut woman, likely to be one of the country's oldest graffiti artists, is facing a criminal rap in connection with a spate of anti-Joe Biden tagging, police report says. Investigators charged that Emily Winters earlier this month defaced the exterior walls of a school, a TJ Maxx department store, hmm, and another property in Fairfield, the town where Winters resides. Cops say that Winters, charged with criminal mischief, confessed to the graffiti spree after turning herself in at police headquarters. According to police, Winters, armed with yellow and red spray paint, tagged private property, including the school and the TJ Maxx, with phrases like Beijing Biden, <laughs> Kami Kamala, Biden for Socialism, and United States of, of China. <laughs> so Grandma is in a bit of trouble. And you know what, folks? If Emily had just tagged BLM or racist suck or something like that, she would be okay. She would be facing zero charges and she could have spray painted the entire town with BLM and nothing would have happened to to her. And why by Macamex, did you see where I didn't do the story, I didn't print it out, I was like, I could care less, but I just, just popped in my head. BLM, Black Lives Matter, folks has got nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, or they better rebrand it to the Nobel Mostly Peaceful Peace Prize. (laughs) And I wonder if, assuming that they win, if Patrice, uh, what's her name, that other angry lesbian, those two chicks that are getting rich off of all that that hustle, I wonder if they will pocket that, that money and how the hysterical millennial white women who have been doing all the rioting on their behalf running around New York and Portland and uh, Seattle and all those other fun places. I wonder how they're going to feel not getting that dough. There you go. Grandma is on the loose in Connecticut. This is from Outspoken, which is our favorite conservative-ish gay website and has this for a headline. This is just more nutty from a college professor. College professor says heterosexuality is tragic. Feel sorry for straight people. (laughs) A college professor is speaking out against heterosexuality, calling it a quote-unquote tragedy, and insisting straight men and women don't like each other very much. (laughs) Okay, then. University of California, Riverside, gender and sexuality studies professor. Good God. Now, you know she's unhappy. Jane Ward describes heterosexuality as a destructive concept that objectifies women, forces men into toxic masculinity, and causes the breakup of relationships reports campus reform. The kooky professor who identifies as a lesbian. Well, I didn't need for them to tell us that. You just knew, folks, that uh, she's running around ranting and raving about heterosexuals. She's got to be an angry lesbian. Was recently featured in an article for Insider titled, 
why heterosexual relationships are so bad for us, according to a sex researcher. It really looks like straight men and women don't like each other very much, that women spend so much time complaining about men, and we still have so much evidence of misogyny, war told Insider. From an LGBT perspective, being straight looks actually very tragic. <laughs> and I bet all you straight people out there go, why the hell is this lesbian telling us how much we suck? Like, she knows. I tell you what, she probably did have like a heterosexual relationship at one time and just got burned. And so she is typical pissed off angry lesbian. <laughs> She's going after everyone. In the article, citing an alleged uptick in heterosexual divorces during the coronavirus pandemic, she claims the pandemic is revealing the tragedy of heterosexuality to people who might not have otherwise paid attention to it. The Insider article goes on to claim, Even joyous lexicons of straight culture have been shown to cause harm, and bizarrely asserts straight rituals like weddings and gender reveal parties have resulted in literal disasters. Just this year, a gender reveal party caused a California wildfire and firefighter death, and large weddings in Washington, Maine, and elsewhere led to coronavirus outbreaks and deaths, the article claimed. So one fire and a handful of wedding super spreader events. This is definitive proof, folks, that, that heterosexuality is, is a disaster. Ward has also authored a book called The Tragedy of Heterosexuality. In that book, Ward describes a misogyny paradox that she claims leads straight men to struggle to respect women, says that men are seen as more masculine when they objectify women, reports college reform. I think that if men could recognize that equity and feminism are actually really central to a healthy and happy relationship, if that's something they want, then they might be able to move further in that direction, Ward told Insider. In a statement, Ward told Campus Reform that she wrote the book because she loves straight couples and hopes to better educate them. I wrote this book because I love straight people. You could fool me, honey. And because the research on heterosexual marital satisfaction over the life course shows that straight couples are struggling to balance work and family obligations, and this leads to frustration and resentment for many straight women. In particular, Ward told the outlet. <laughs> I'm sure all you straight people are loving the fact that a lesbian is out there getting all up in your business and telling you how much you you suck because you are straight and what frauds your relationships are. <laughs> I bet, white boy Malcolm X, how much you want to bet that she probably had one or two or a couple, you know, three or four bad heterosexual relationships and she is just pissed and angry <laughs> from that and that is why she is going after them like that. I, but I tell you what, folks, maybe it's white privilege that uh, gives me this perspective, <laughs> but... You know, my parents, before my dad passed away, they were together for 52 years. And it was a normal, you know, healthy relationship for decades. And I grew up seeing that and I grew into middle age seeing that. And I, you know, they're not the only ones. I know lots and lots and lots of straight people and they have very healthy relationships. And there is, a, there is equality between them and there is, you know, a mutual respect between them. And I don't, you know, I've never been able to, I guess, witness firsthand, like the misogynistic nature of, of heterosexual relationships where men are just putting down their women. <laughs> I'm sure it happens. I'm sure it maybe happens in her bubble uh, or happened to her personally that she dated a couple of dopey men and then she's angry. <laughs> now she's a lesbian. She's writing about trashing heterosexual people and their relationships. You know, I've never seen that, but uh, I suspect it probably is out there, but... Good Lord. A lesbian stepping in on their business.
This is from the Washington Free Beacon. And if you thought our story on last Wednesday's podcast about the diversity audit at Loyola University in Chicago was, uh, was enough for you, we got one more. Inside the diversity audit conducted at a top U.S. prep school. Harvard-Westlake Diversity Audit asked teachers how they foster an understanding of systems of power. Teachers at one of the nation's leading independent schools were pressed this month to assess how their classes advance students' commitments to social justice issues, including the diversity of sexual identity. Materials from a diversity audit conducted by an outside consultant for the Tony Harvard-Westlake School in Los Angeles, and Tony, folks, is not part of the name of the school, it just means fancy. The Tony, the fancy Harvard-Westlake School in Los Angeles, quiz teachers on their compliance with progressive views on six categories of diversity. And here they are, racial identity. So if you don't know what that is, folks, that is where you can be a white chick and you can be fake Latinx. Religious identity, socioeconomic status, family structure, sexual identity. And we know, folks, that there are eight genders and seven sexual orientations and disability status. For each topic, teachers were told to ask themselves how they address these identities in their courses, what values students are acquiring when learning these identities, and how the course promotes a social justice understanding of the world more generally. Teachers were also asked to fill out a worksheet indicating how their classes, regardless of subject, contributed to students' understanding of diversity. The sheet asked teachers to describe how their courses foster an understanding of systems of power and encourage students to develop tools for equity and justice. The worksheet was distributed to all of Harvard-Westlake's 200-some teachers, according to a source at the school, as part of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion DEI curricular review initiated this summer and conducted by the Glasgow Group, a Maryland-based consultancy that connects independent schools to professional diversity administrators. (laughs) And if you don't know what a professional diversity administrator is, that is probably, I would suspect, like we did on uh, on Wednesday's podcast, that is probably a queen with a clipboard going around and going, um, thank you for seeing us, and we would just like to go over this list with you. So we have six categories here, so we want to talk about racial identity and religious identity and socioeconomic status and family structure and sexual identity and disability status. So we need to go over all these and how you are teaching them in your class. Tell you what, though, some I would think have it a little bit more easier than others. You know, queens with the clipboards, they go over to the English department. The English folks are like, well, we we make them buy Ibram X. Kennedy's book. <laughs> so we make them read anti-racist books. They're like, oh, that's so good, Doc. You get an A+. Plus. And the history department, they're like, well, we just teach white people suck. And they're like, oh, look at you. You're just A-plus for you as well. And then they go to like... Uh, what else? Uh, home economics. Do, do they still have home economics? Or is that too sexist? <laughs> well, we'll just, folks, we'll just assume they do. And so home economics department's like, we just teach that men are pigs. And like, oh, look at you. You're just so good. A plus. <laughs> but like we found out with, uh, on Wednesday's show, I think the math teachers would probably, they would probably have it pretty hard because, you know, they're probably used to like, okay, two plus two equals four, right? Two times two equals four. Two times six equals 12, right? So they, Queens with clipboards coming with, well, how are you teaching social justice here? The math teachers probably have to be on the fly. They're probably like, well, when we have a math problem, we, we tie it to, to a social justice effort. And the queen's like, hmm, well, describe something like that for me. So the math teacher's like, hmm, well, let's say you have 
you have two racists. You have two white supremacists. And, of course, all white people are, are, are white supremacists. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, they are. Yes, 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 they are. I totally agree with you there. And let's say that they each decide that they are going to commit two racial acts each day. They are going to oppress two minorities each day. Mm-hmm. Yes, go on. Go further. That sounds interesting. And let's say that we want to know over a week's period how many times are these racist white supremacists how many times are they oppressing minorities so right you have two people doing it twice a day times seven so it's two times two times seven so oh oh i like that and then we get 28 times if you know and what we do is we tell the students well technically it is 28 times that they would commit this racial acts but we all know that white people don't stop at just 28 times so they're probably committing many many more so if you say two times two times seven equals 150 that that is correct as well because Obviously, they are probably committing much more than 20. Oh, I love this. This is like A++. I, I love what you've done with the math department. You, you folks are fabulous. I just love it here. So that is what you are getting at Harvard Westlake School in Los Angeles. And God knows what that costs. But those white folks out in California, those, those woke white folks in California are just, here's that check. Whatever you want to talk about. Well, White Boy Malcolm X, yet again, I am a... I am being prescient. I am a soothsayer because what have I been saying for quite some time? And I've been saying, folks, that nobody out there cares about HIV anymore. It is no big deal anymore because, like I've been saying, it is for most people, the vast majority of people, getting HIV is just, oops, and it's a pill a day, right? Takes care of the problem. Who cares? And so now we have an article from Queerty. And if you don't believe me, how's this? San Francisco opens the tap for a major bathhouse comeback (laughs) she's like yay we get to go back to the bathhouse amid the ongoing shutdowns and social distancing of the covid19 pandemic the city of san francisco just opened door to bathhouse culture making a major comeback and that was such a great culture let me tell you folks for those unfamiliar with queer history bathhouses once served as the social center for lgbtq men in particular Hanging out in, I think it was just the G. I think it was just the gay men. I don't know about the lesbian men. I don't know if they were in there, but it was a lot of gay men. From what I hear, I don't know. I have never been to a bathhouse. Hanging out in the jacuzzi with friends and maybe having a bit of sex on the side, and I think that is grossly understating it, was as customary as meeting up at a gay bar or club. That changed with the AIDS crisis in the 1980s, when cities across the country began shuttering bathhouse venues as a means of curbing the epidemic. Now, almost 40 years after the city imposed a litany of restrictions designed to shut down bathhouses, San Francisco has reverted to pre-AIDS regulations. Like I said, folks, nobody cares anymore. In essence, the city is inviting new bathhouses to open. It is symbolically significant right now, gay District 8 Supervisor Raphael Mandelman told the Bay Area Reporter. Whether it is significant on the ground depends on if entrepreneurs with the vision and financial capabilities and who have not been run out of town by all the nutty in San Francisco and the savvy to open can and operate one of these. The new regulations require that bathhouse venues must post warnings about the spread of STIs, including HIV. I can see these posters, White Boy Malcolm X. Don't worry. Just take the pill. Get the shot. (laughs) As well as high-risk activities. In addition, venues must provide lube, condoms, soap and towels. Oh my goodness, why even bother? Patrons under 18 years of age or who seem intoxicated are also not allowed. 
At the height of their popularity in the 1970s, San Francisco offered as many as 30 different bathhouse and spa destinations around the city. Today, only one venue remains. So there you go, folks. If you want to go out to San Francisco and get you some lube and condoms and soap and a towel, you too can go to a San Francisco bathhouse and have fun. And don't worry about it. Don't worry about whatever happens. Hey, what goes on in San Francisco bathhouse stays in the San Francisco bathhouse. And even if it doesn't stay, just go get yourself a shot. Go get yourself a pill and life goes on. And they get all of a clamp if you say gay men are nothing but a bunch of whores. <laughs> How dare you, judges? How dare you? But, uh, yeah, the bathhouse. Uh, that, um, that doesn't reinforce that stereotype at all. Four stories left, white boy Malcolm X. And then we are, we are out of here. This is from out.com. And uh, this, this queen is in trouble. This queen is in a lot of trouble. Listen to this. Neil Patrick Harris. And that, folks, he is he is Doogie Hauser, if you don't know that. Casting straight actors to play gay is sexy. <laughs> Wonder what his fetish is. I'll tell you what, that does certainly go against the grain, because we have been reporting on that for a while now about people getting all bent out of shape about actors playing gay for pay. And uh, we've had a couple stories here, and don't even don't even raise your hand, white boy Malcolm X. I am going there. So we've had they were going after poor Vigo Morganson for playing gay for pay, and they went after Timothée Chalamet and uh, that that weirdo, the cannibal <laughs> Army Hammer from you know that dumb movie Call Me by Your Name, and uh, a couple of others. And we've been reporting on that, and all the queens are getting upset about it. But Neil Patrick Harris, look, like, hey, you know what? kind of sexy <laughs> and I never thought I would agree with um with Neil Patrick Harris on anything not that I think it's sexy I mean that's his thing that's not not my thing but uh you know that is the point of of, of acting right you have a, a part and you hire someone who can portray that part right and so but what we see now is especially with with the gay stuff is that you have to have a gay character playing a gay role and you have to have a transgender character playing a transgender role and we had that it was a news story where the, the, the character was a woman in a wheelchair. And what the producers did was they didn't say, let's go out and get a great actress and put her in a wheelchair. They said, we have to find someone who's in a wheelchair and let's, then we'll figure out if she can act right. And that's what they did. They literally went out and they auditioned women in wheelchairs to play a woman in a wheelchair. So it wasn't quite an acting stretch, but uh, that's that's the way we are trending now that if you have something, let's say you have like a, um, off the top of my head, like you have like a, uh, an indigenous transgender dwarf with um, a speech impediment and a slight limp that's what you need that's what you need to go find to play the role you're not, you're not going to be able to get like someone else who can fake a, a speech impediment and a slight limp and who is a can be, pretend to be a transgender they, you have to get you got to get all that or you're not going to have that role filled so or you're going to have to change the script one of the two but um, yeah let's find out more about what Neil Patrick Harris has to say on this front in the ongoing debate over whether straight actors should play gay roles, it's a sin actor Neil Patrick Harris has added his voice, and it might not be saying what you'd expect. In a new interview, Harris was asked about comments recently made by It's a Sin creator Russell T. Davies. Davies recently said that he's against casting straight actors in gay roles. You wouldn't cast someone able-bodied and put them in a wheelchair, he said. Of course not, because we've already just talked about this. You wouldn't black someone up. <laughs> And that's capital B black, folks, so you know you would black them up. 
authenticity is leading us to joyous places. Russell, really? We are in a joyous place. Would anyone, anyone listening to this podcast say that we right now are in a joyous place in society in today's world with all the authenticity going on? Harris doesn't quite see it the same way. I'm not one to jump onto labeling, he told the Times. As an actor, you certainly hope you can be a visible option for all kinds of different roles. I played a character on How I Met Your Mother for nine years who was nothing like me. And why put Malcolm X? Did you ever watch that show? I didn't either. I'm like a, I, um, I saw like a, a clip or something. I was like, that looks dumb. That looks stupid. It was that one. And then what was the nerd one? Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I didn't watch that one either. Those, uh, those are millennial shows. He even pointed to Davies' classic series, Queer as Folk, to bolster his argument. So I guess Russell Davies has had a change of heart. That series starred three straight actors as gay men. Hmm, didn't know that. Did you ever watch that, White Boy Michael Max? You did not. I watched it, I think, because that, that was back, like, 2000-ish? Uh, 2000, 2000, I don't remember. 1999, somewhere in that, that time frame. And I watched, like, three or four episodes. And I was like, this is dumb, 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 dumb. That was a stupid show. But I have to say, if they were all straight actors, because that was a pretty graphic show. The episodes I watched were pretty graphic, what they were doing. So if they were actually straight actors, they are damn good actors for doing what they did. And I won't get into any more details on that. It was one of the real true turning points for me as examples of sexy guys behaving as leads in something of import, not as comic sidekicks, he explained. Harris added that he thinks there's something sexy about casting a straight actor to play a gay role if they're willing to invest in it. He said that, I don't know what that means. He said that not hiring straight actors could lead to missed opportunities. In our world that we live in, you can't really, as a director, demand that an actor is gay. Who's to determine how gay someone is? <laughs> so Neil, or Neil Patrick. Why put Michael Does he go by Neil or Neil Patrick? I don't know either. Whatever. Neil or Neil Patrick. Um, yeah, they can. And you know what? Who's to determine how gay someone is? Queens with clipboards, my friend. Queens with clipboards. And I'll tell you what, he is in trouble because that that goes against dogma. You are in a lot of trouble, Neil. Better, better keep your mouth closed. This is from the UK Mirror, and you people out there are horny. Horny, horny, horny. Warehouse orgy with 100 men and women raided by police for breaking coronavirus rules. <laughs> trying to think, white boy Malcolm X. What have we had stories about orgies? We've had the, um, the Brussels legs in the airport. So we had the gay orgy in, in Brussels, all those queens. We had the uh, naughty in New Orleans. We had the swingers party down in New Orleans. And that was actually, folks, a COVID super spreader event. Those folks. We had the, uh, the queens in Cabo because those white queens can't stop anyone. <laughs> They're all partying, and you know they were having sex. And we had, uh, last week, we had the uh, the L.A. pole dancing parties. And not just one, folks. There were, like, multiple pole dancing parties going on in L.A. And on top of that, in L.A., we had those, we had that orgy story because there was, <laughs> those poor police had to walk in. It was a bunch of middle-aged uh, middle people in an orgy in uh, L.A., and that could not have been a pretty sight. So um, so let's find out what's going on here. Up to 100 people who took part in an illegal orgy in France, so the French are going at it now, you horny Frenchmen, have been slapped with fines after a recent event was broken up by the Popo. 
Officers raided the warehouse in Collegienne, a suburb of Paris, on Friday night following reports of men and women meeting for the so-called Libertine Party, which breached COVID-19 regulations. Three people, believed to be the organizers, were arrested following the event. The orgy infringed the current 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew across France aimed at curtailing the spread of COVID-19. The event was in breach of the curfew, and there was also problems with masks and social distancing, said an investigating source. <laughs> so that was the real problem. Oh, you people here with your sex, your orgy, you need to put your mask on and social distance in an orgy. <laughs> the 9 p.m. raid happened as French President Emmanuel Macron contemplates plunging the country into a third lockdown amid 20,000 new coronavirus cases a day. Damn. Besides the non-compliance fines, local magistrates sitting in an emergency session also granted permission for sound and light equipment to be confiscated along with alcohol. It was also recommended that all attendees were provided with basic sex education as it relates to the spread of viruses. Orgies between consenting adults are legal in France. You're damn right they are. But the chance of contacting COVID-19 from an infected person during sex is almost guaranteed. Warehouse orgies generally involved people swapping partners or turning up alone to find new ones, so the dangers are multiplied. <laughs> you people in France, you horny people in France, you have upset French COVID care. <laughs> you must put the mask on. Uh-oh, the folks at PETA are back at it, and here's the headline. PETA calls on humans to denounce animal insults like chicken or pig. And pig, white boy Malcolm X, that actually sounds like something you would not want to put on your Bumble profile. <laughs> no pigs, because that will get flagged and you will get thrown off that site. This is animal advocate abuse. People for the ethical treatment of animals demanded this week that people stop using specious terms such as chicken, pig, or rat as insults for humans and promptly got ripped as dodos for the stunt. The PETA tweet was so wildly mocked online that it soon boasted an embarrassing ratio of almost 11,000 comments to just over 3,000 likes as of Thursday morning. Calling someone an animal as an insult reinforces the myth that humans are superior to other animals and justified in violating them, the animal rights advocacy group said in its earnest call to action. And I don't know about you folks, but I don't know who is calling for violating animals. <laughs> that is not my scene, and I don't know whose scene that is. Stand up for justice by rejecting supremacist language. PETA social media reps also included a chart detailing the human supremacist terminology. So not just white supremacy, but human supremacy. Jesus Christmas. And suggesting alternative language such as using coward instead of chicken, snitch in lieu of rat, jerk rather than snake, repulsive rather than pig, and lazy to cast dispersions onto someone with sloth-like tendencies. In response to the onslaught of mockery, PETA President Ingrid Newkirk said, The knee-jerk dismissals are a reflection of the times we want to put behind us, and after ridicule comes discussion and then acceptance, as we've seen with our campaigns to end the use of fur and to point out how inhumane and unhealthy cow's milk is, among others. So, you folks, you're laughing now, but <laughs> Ingrid's going to get her way, come hell or high water. She added that it shouldn't be controversial to assert that the words we use have the power to create a more inclusive world or to perpetuate oppression, and PETA is simply asking everyone to think before they speak or type. <laughs> so they're in the code words, white boy Malcolm X. She is talking about 
supremacy, and she is talking about oppression, <laughs> talking about inclusion. She got those code words down. So we are on our last story, and as I warned you folks earlier in the podcast, I do not have a decent smoking gun story to end the show with, but we have a close second, and it is from NOLA.com in Nolens. And here's the headline, Defendant Pleads Not Guilty to Recording 103 Men in Jefferson Parish Store Restrooms. Hmm, and you folks probably thought it was weird enough when that creeper that worked for ADT was tapping into people's uh, home cameras and watching them have sex. This guy is checking out store bathrooms and recording <laughs> going to the bathroom. A Bridge City man pleaded not guilty Friday to 103 counts of video voyeurism for allegedly using a smartphone to record men using the restroom in Jefferson Parish retail stores. John Coleman, 42, was arrested last month after sheriff's deputies found at his home more than a dozen phones that contained hundreds of secretly recorded videos of nude or partially nude men. The video was recorded in the men's restrooms of big box stores and other businesses between 2017 and 2020, authorities said. The videos appear to have been recorded without the victim's knowledge. So white boy milk, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this. So this guy, John Coleman, 42, he's got more than a dozen phones <laughs> with these recordings, White Boy Malcolm X. I would figure that that one phone would be enough. I, maybe he doesn't know how to download what he's doing on his phone. So he's like, oh, the phone is full. I'll go get another phone so we can keep recording people. And, and the other thing is, if he is recording men in the restroom at retail stores in Jefferson Parish, how are they naked <laughs> or partially naked? I figure if you're in the bathroom... Your your pants might be unzipped, or you might be uh, you know you're sitting on the, in the bathroom with your pants down. But I mean, that's not naked. <laughs> Who's getting nude in a bathroom in a box store in in Jefferson Parish? You people down there in Louisiana, I don't know how you use the restroom, the public restroom, but you're not supposed to get naked <laughs> when you do that. God, stop it. The district attorney's office also charged Coleman with two counts of being a convicted felon in possession of a gun. He pleaded not guilty to those counts, as well as when he appeared via video conference in Magistrate Court on Friday. The investigation began July 3rd at a business in the 5100 block of Citrus Boulevard in Elmwood. A male employee had noticed an unidentified man recording him on a phone while he used a stall in a store's restroom, authorities said. The phone's camera lens was aimed through the door gap. The employee confronted the man and demanded the phone. The man handed over the device. <laughs> Okay, here's my phone. And ran from the store to the sheriff's office. <laughs> this guy's a complete idiot. No wonder he needs so many phones. The employee deleted at least four videos taken of him in the stall, authority said, but he also recognized another male employee from an image on the phone. Investigators eventually identified Coleman as a suspect, the sheriff's office said, but they didn't catch up with him until December 9th. So this creeper was out there doing a whole bunch of stuff for another six months. When they arrested him at a house in Bridge City, he was booked with two counts of video voyeurism stemming from the store employees in the July incident. Detectives then searched Coleman's residence and seized more phones and many more videos. After analyzing the phones, and can you imagine that, White Boy Malcolm X? Can you imagine being the poor sheriff's department employee who's got to sit there and go through more than a dozen of these phones watching people be for hours and hours and hours? My God, I hope they got hazard pay. After analyzing the phones, the sheriff's office rearrested Coleman December 22nd and booked him with additional video voyeurism charges. 
Detectives were not able to identify all those victims. Gosh. I mean, John, or whoever's out there listening and who's like, that's your thing, that's your fetish. Um, I mean, how many pee videos does one man need? I don't know. I mean, it's not my thing, but God bless. John Coleman, you have a sickness, and I hate to be judgmental about that, but you do. And on that note, folks, Let's go ahead and plug pull this puppy. We are done. Thank you so much for joining us for another podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, here as always with White Boy Malcolm X. I believe even we're getting a snowstorm. Did you know that, White Boy Malcolm X? We're getting like 6 to 12 inches uh, Monday night, Tuesday. (laughs) Better get with the times. That's coming through. And so I'm assuming we'll have the streets cleaned off and we will go ahead and do a show on, on Wednesday. In the meantime, folks, have a great end of your weekend and start to your week, and we will see you back here in a couple days. Take care. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.